Hello, my name's Gizzy Erskine. And I'm Sydney Lima, and this is Sex, Lies and DM Slides. Where we invite our celebrity friends to dive deep into their DM boxes to see what terrors lurk within. We'll be chatting about online trolls, online dating, perverted proposals and why everyone's so weird on social media. Sex and Lies and DM Slides. This podcast contains adult content, graphic details of our sex lives and the filthy contents of our inboxes. You have been warned. Um, welcome back to another episode of Sex Lies and DM Slides. I'm your host, Sydney Lima. And I am Gizzy Erskine. Sydney, what have you been trying to show me on morning? <laughs> Basically, I've been talking to this guy on a dating app who like had quite good chat, which is quite rare. And I show Gizzy the profile. And she goes... I've been talking to him. <laughs> I was. To be fair, I was. I've not really been talking to anyone for a while. This guy. Because I've yeah. also then, I looked on his Instagram account. I looked at who was following him. And he's also being followed by a lot of my female friends who are on the same dating app. So I think he's matched with, like, all of us, like, friendship group. So, um, how are the dating apps going for you? Uh, well, clearly not very well. <laughs> I just think that there is this problem at the moment, like because there's a lot of we've got a lot of single friends at the moment, and I think a lot of people are matching with the same people. I mean, we've got a group as it is called No Players on Raya, which is uh, um, basically making sure that we're not all matching with the same guy. Yeah, it's really it's like quite a desperate situation. Yeah. When you've got to do that. Um, so I um, this weekend there was somebody who had uh, slid into my DMs, and I had to ask one of our friends on on the No Players on Raya thing about it, and she was like, "You cannot go out with no. this guy." Um, and anyway, then someone else slid into my DMs who was like. Oh, you're right. Um, What's that painful? Oh, <laughs> oh you're right. <laughs> and he was also friends with this other person. And she's like, oh, my God, that's my ex-boyfriend. Oh, God. And he's using her as a, like, way in, going, oh, hey, God. I'm friends with this person. Oh, my God. So it's funny, isn't it? But do you know what? I think that you're right. Like, the world has gone bananas. Yeah. Everyone's breaking up with everyone. Yeah. Everyone's or single. Matt getting fucking married. And pregnant. <laughs> the fucking bastards. <laughs> and I'm just noticing more and more that people are just like, it's going to be a bit of a bun fight soon. Yeah. Although better to have being a bun fight than maybe it be a bit dry. I don't know. Like I just, I mean, I think we all have the same type as well. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, especially on this group. It's like someone was shared a picture of a guy the other day, and I'm like, everyone kind of clocked that they'd been matching with him also. Yeah, it's but... funny, isn't it? Because like you and I, it's so interesting. The person you just showed me. Yeah. That's my aspiration. Yeah. Who I should same! be going out with. I thought this was the one. <laughs> yeah. It's a sort of slightly older, bit more sort of distinguished gentleman who's yeah. got a proper job. Probably yeah. has some money in the bank. Yeah. Uh, instead of our usual cruddy. Broke creatives who who have got like real issues. So that was the aspiration, but unfortunately, now we know he's a bit of a tart. Well, I don't know if he's a tart. Come on, he's single. He's on a dating app. He's allowed to talk to girls. I know, I know, but he can probably see from our Instagrams that we all know each other. Like he'll. I don't. But see, you do that. This was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about actually, because I need to get better at this. What stalking? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're actually really good at it because what you actually do is if you like someone and they do have the Instagram link, you'll go on the Instagram. And you'll see who they know. Yeah, or I will find because you know on um, Hinge, you know you can't actually see the full names of some people, mm-hmm. but you can see their job. So I'll type in the beginning of their name, and then I like try and <laughs> I'll locate them. You're <laughs> I'll an fucking absolute find them. genius. I'll find their LinkedIn, oh <laughs> and then God. I can find their Instagrams. <laughs> 
This is good. This is good. But then, what do you find out? Like, do you not have then suddenly have a preempted view on what they're? Yeah, of course. About? That's a problem. Yeah. Or you can judge them for their past because you can see all their old photos. We're like, oh god, they went through that phase. Yeah. Like, oh, that, why is he still got pictures? That's why I keep. That's why I just them. deleted all my Instagram old things. So I've like rebranded myself. <laughs> yeah. This is like I've who I want about. to be. Um. So who have we got on today, Sid? So we have Emma Sale, or also known as Queen Kitten. From Killing Kittens, the sex club. I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, have you ever been? No, I I, know, I knew where it was at. I had wanted to go with a guy friend of mine who I was like casually sleeping with. I thought it'd be quite fun, but I didn't. Did you? I have. But what? I, um, I went up right at the beginning. So it says here that it launched in 2005. Mm. I think that I must have been around then. And I thought it was going to be a fetish club as opposed to an actual sex club. Yeah. And what did I think of it? It was... I didn't do any sexing. <laughs> I'm going to repeat that. I never want to be heard to be musical against sexing. Um, I didn't go... I didn't fuck anyone there. Right. Um, I didn't even get involved at all. It was more like going to the theatre. But You're it was a voyeur. But yeah, I was a voyeur. I kind of feel like that a lot of these places are not so you can have group sex with people necessarily, mm. but it's also to be in a space with people who want to have these things but not all of them are acting it out mm. so you've probably got a lot of people loitering around and not actually getting that involved which right. I, I certainly did I mean I think I think the other thing is I'm so used to going to the fetish club which is slightly different but that said I'd be interested to see how that's evolved mm. particularly because if you think about it since then you've had a lot of sort of I'm going to say mainstream because they're not entirely cool things like Fifty Shades or whatever come yeah. out and I imagine the interest for something like that has evolved I want to I see what comes up on Google Images if I type in Killing Kittens yeah let's see what and see um, what what do people wear? Okay, so yeah, it's like people dressed up as sexy cats. That's the sex party vibe. Anyway, to tell us a little bit more about it, we have Emma Sale, also known as Queen Kitten, from Killing Kitten. Sex and lies and DM slides. Hi Emma. Hiya. Can you tell us a little bit about what Killing Kittens is? So it was launched 15 years ago to create a safe space for women to explore their sexuality and not be judged and feel completely in control. And so what started as events with a very small kind of online forum has evolved into what is now a tech business that's this kind of, we call it the kitten's world. So it's Mm -hmm. sort of a social network, dating app, big education platform with workshops and webinars. We launched a chat app last September. And then we do have the orgies, which is the tip of the iceberg that everyone knows killing kittens for. So they're still there. <laughs> what determines somebody to be a kitten? Like what sort of people end up at your club? That's the thing. Do you know what people always think? It's like really weirding out the crazy um, people that um, everyone's always pleasantly surprised when they come and go, these are just really normal people. The main thing is that we don't let single men into the offline events or we let single men into the online events. But it's very, it's a bit like Bumble in that the women make the first move. So they have to like before they get liked back. And at parties, the women have to kind of speak first before um, men can speak to them. And it's, it's, do you know what? It's not a certain person. It's kind of across all industries ages cultures ethnicity um I always say that one thing everyone has is the same kind of mindset which yeah. is a slightly hedonistic kind of the world is there to be lived and explored so it's it's a real they're real optimists the yeah. real positive people that just go right we've got one life let's live it and ex- and explore so that's probably the one thing that merges everyone together I have actually been to one of your parties but I think it must have been right back at the beginning 
Um, where was your first site? I'm trying to work out if that's where I got. Um, do you know what? It was Covent Garden, and we still use that venue. Which, um, which place in Covent Garden? It's we- a downstairs sleazy sauna yeah, type I, setup. I know exactly. <laughs> that's exactly the place I went. Cool. And like, how's that? How's it changed since then, or has it still got the same sort of essence? Do you know what? It's still got the same essence. It's just what has changed massively is kind of the openness in women. So when we first started, it was very much a lot of couples, and you might get so you had like a hundred people, you might get maybe five or six single girls that came along. Now we might have an event for two hundred and fifty people, of which a hundred are single girls. So women's sexuality is massively opened up, and it's much more socially acceptable. And people now are much more open about telling their friends they've been to KK parties and what happened what they got up to um whereas when we first launched there's no way you told even your best mates that you'd gone (laughs) to a KK party so that's been really interesting watching that shift were you a regular sex party goer before you created Killing Kittens no um and that's um thing is I I, you know I can say no and everyone goes yeah bollocks Um, (laughs) um, why would you do that um but no I wasn't it was really weird because actually I always joke like I was like early 20s very insecure I was like coming out of bulimia I had eating issues I didn't want to be naked in bright light with anyone I kind of had this world in my head of what my alter ego (laughs) Mm. and what I wanted the world to look like and what I thought women should be able to do and just kind of this imaginary world that what I thought was balanced and I wanted to create it and I think that actually made it a lot easier to do and run as a business because I wasn't tits up in the middle of it Um, literally tits up yeah literally exactly I always joke now like three babies on and I'm early 40s and I couldn't give a crap about being naked in front of anyone (laughs) what was your first experience then when you were participating in these sex clubs or were you always kind of behind the scenes I've never participated I was always behind the scenes and organising them um so my first experience seeing it was working in PR and I was helping the PR with a big erotica exhibition and through that I met quite a few people within the sex industry and there were some party setups and they asked me to kind of help them with their PR because it was kind of the time when Ann Summers was hitting the high streets and there was this whole kind of female sexuality buzz going on um, and everyone wanting to be more female friendly and so I was asked by a lot of people in that industry how can we make our brands more female friendly and that made me realise even more that all this industry was run by men Mm. with men designing the underwear with men designing the sex toys claiming to be female friendly and that it just got my mind going more and more that actually it needs women saying what women want rather than men yeah so walk us through a party what are we expecting to see so you turn up everyone's in masks no matter what the venue is you turn up it's masks we always have kind of a fizz or cocktail reception i remember probably when you came to that one there was probably sushi um but we stopped doing the sushi (laughs) yes where on people's bodies no just trays of it and when I think about it now I'm like what was I thinking I'm like sushi and a really sweaty sauna bar and a sex party no and Prosecco <laughs> exactly there's nothing nice about that picture whatsoever um so now we um now we have kind of oyster shuckers so oyster mice uh, um, because they're an aphrodisiac so um you always have the drinks reception and, and now we'll have kind of acts and like cabaret acts or burlesque sort of entertainment. And it's just like going to a private like house party. But the atmosphere is, uh, is then like tense because everyone knows why a lot of people are there and that there will be nakedness and stuff. And then it sort of turns where you get a few people sort of peeling off into a back room. Um, and then, yeah, and then more and more people will just sort of go off into playrooms, as we call them. And, and that's when you wander around those rooms and you see 
all the shagging going on. I mean, is it very openly sexual by the end of it? I mean, do you, is there a lot of voyeurism? Is there, is everyone fucking by the end? No, there's a lot of voyeurism and there's a lot of, like, the girls that come along, they just like dancing around in their underwear because they think that's they're really empowering and free and they're not going to get hit on, which is the irony. You're in a party like that and... Um, and they just feel really safe. So you get a lot of girls who come like that. You get a lot of couples who come who don't want to get involved with anyone else. They just want to come and have an experience and maybe get it on with each other in the corner of a room or something. So that's why I kind of always reluctant when people go to sex parties is because there are a lot of sex parties out there where you are expected to get naked the minute you walk through the door mm. and that's it. And if you don't, you're asked to leave. And when we've never been like that, it's sort of, I've always said that kind of sex is kind of the, the side product. It'll happen if you people want it to happen but it doesn't need to happen how does that work with the rules from the women uh choosing the boys and if there is a, is it unequals in is there enough dick to go around yeah that's basically what i was trying to ask <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's plenty of sausage out there there's never going to be a free one a loose sausage <laughs> but also there's a lot of girls that uh, that want to that actually a lot of the women there are bi-curious or they're bisexual mm. so there's a hell of a lot of girl on girl action that goes on so I actually say that actually a lot of the time the guys are kind of walking dildos who will be used if the girls want to use them otherwise it's mainly there's a lot of girls that's um, so, so how much does it cost to play with these walking dildos <laughs> I think it's a pretty it's a spenny walking dildo I don't know. <laughs> it ranges from like 50 pounds for a single girl ticket up to sort of 350 quid for a couple's ticket. It depends where they are because like the ones we do like out in Venice or Berlin or, you know, the foreign ones or New York are more expensive than the UK ones. Mm. But the London ones for couples range from 100 quid up to like 200 quid really. So not huge amount in the grand scheme of We just things. had our toxic male producer in our ear saying, more expensive for men, that's so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Although mega. it's not. In order to come to a party, you have to be members of the Kittens Association and only women can be a member of the association. So they can then bring a guest, whether that's a guy or a girl. See, mm -hmm. it's all fair and love and war, Hayden. <laughs> There's always a way. <laughs> so um, what was it like getting something like Killing Kittens to the market? And what was that experience and journey like for you? Um, I think I just had it in my brain. I was so sure that it was needed and that it was right that it kind of, the bigger picture and the bigger mission about it became much more than me if that makes sense and and all the abuse I got and I still get abuse now actually just added the fuel to my fire of like actually this is needed so it was sort of because my background was PR as well it kind of started how it became about was there was lots of press around it so you know everyone loves the Daily Mail headlines you know I think the first one that came out was Posh's Swinger in Town which my parents love <laughs> um, so I was just very unapologetic it was like this is what I'm doing and I don't get involved and it's business so I think because I was not embarrassed about it or unapologetic about it it was no one could catch you out no one could yeah. go ha ha we've caught you doing these parties where there's sex going on because mm. I was saying there was sex going yeah. on. Um, so and also conviction it, in the reason behind it as well. Yeah, exactly. So it just started like that and kind of it was word of mouth and media. And, you know, this was kind of when social media was just beginning to start. So, yeah, it was just that old school kind of hustle and out and about and, and word of mouth. Then the digital world all kicked in and obviously that's a whole different ballgame. What do your kids <laughs> think you do? Do they know what you do? 
Well, the four and two-year-olds have just learned the word vagina, and that's nice. as far as their education goes. <laughs> <laughs> and the six-year-old in the last year has learned to read at school, so he knows my company's called Killing Kittens now. He hasn't asked why, so... I don't, I don't know what the RSPCA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He hasn't, we just haven't got to that. Yeah, and actually, yeah. because the business is so much bigger now and the you know the education side of it all and but you know before COVID I was starting to do a few bits with school and sex ed and then we launched this other business called Sister which is you know a network for professional women helping them out and the community and that it kind of it's become a much bigger beast Mm. that it's not just actually you know there are sex bodies that that are just a really tiny tip of a, a big iceberg that's kind of risen out the water now that's much more mainstream than you know, it was 15 years ago. Um, and like, hey, that's the thing, all the school parents know what I do and no one cares. No, so it's <laughs> um, so, must yeah. be a nice thing because I guess all, all that does is a testament to the revolution that I suppose you've wanted to create. It's just out there now and it's fine for most yeah, people's it's weird. perceptions. Yeah, it's very weird because when I remember when I started and I have one boyfriend who, you know, was like, well, you're going to give it up because when we have children, there's no way you can do that for a living. And I was like, right, you're out. And I'd often get asked, what would you do you know what will you tell your children you do and mm. I remember back then saying if and when I have children because mm. that's an assumption in itself yeah. um I would like to think that society in the world has moved on that it won't be a big deal mm. and what's lovely now having three kids and 15 years on it's exactly that yeah mm. it's not a big deal and it's just quite nice really <laughs> Do you have any really naughty stories? There must be some good ones you're allowed to tell us over the 15 years. Do you know what? There's so much from from walking in. And like, I remember there were three, it was fashion week and there were three models with strap-ons all sort of going for it. And I thought that's a hell of a lot of noise going on and went into a room and they were all at it with each other. And it was one of those Kodak moments. That, <laughs> you know, I've, I've always said I don't need porn because there's so much in your head that's just stored in there. Yeah, that's quite hot. But then you get the odd funny one that... I, this couple turned up, it was in Birmingham actually, turned up with a suitcase and then they went into the room and got changed and they came out and they're very sort of into the fetish gear and they came out all sort of leathered up, not wearing very much at all. She was attached to dog collar, but he had clothes pegs all over him um, <laughs> as well. And then there was this professional footballer there who got chatting to them and then they disappeared off and came out and then the footballer and his missus came out covered in clothes pegs. <laughs> So there's always really free was like I'm up for it, you know, I'm up for love. So there's you know there's just always funny stories. There's just always stuff that happens, and we always say any any project that falls on a Friday the thirteenth, it does get weird. It does get you know. So it actually makes a difference. The vibe does. It definitely stuff weird stuff happens. That's like so funny. Go, yeah. Have you got any like I mean you just said a professional footballer. Is there anyone who's outwardly come out as a famous person that says that they go there? You know, there's been a few people that have been mentioned they've been there, like Gerard Butler and people, and they just haven't flinched and gone and whatever. Yeah. Let's look at the negative side of running a sex club. Is there anything that you've had to be really like, shit, we've got to be cautious of that, or it's changed the the way that you run the the company because of any bad stuff that's happened? Well, you have to be careful because there is this, we call it buyer's guilt. Someone might like the idea of it and then they might drink too much and then mm. they go, what have we done? And then suddenly they kind of come out firing going, we didn't ask for that. People mm. jumped on us. And so they, we've had a couple of incidents, but they've been in venues where actually they're CCTV because they're licensed venues. Mm. Amazing. Um, so we've had to, you know, licensing and stuff and police having to go through 
but it's very quick to come around and go well no she was they were obviously enjoying yeah. it yeah. um so you did we have to be on it like that but we do have security we have hostesses there we have community kittens who are members who kind of wander around so yeah we have to be hot on that side of yeah. things we have to obviously be hot on the drug side of things because you do get the odd licensing lot that yeah. just turn up it's like running any nightclub well that's gotta be a buzz gobble hasn't it if you suddenly turn up and the ho are there <laughs> one time two bluesmen did come round in full clubber and two girls are walking up the stairs not wearing anything but heels and they thought the policemen were strippers <laughs> um, so they had them pinned to the wall of the stairs <laughs> And I had to go, no, they're real policemen. They look terrified. They're probably those policemen are probably still living it. off that story. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so um what are the rules at your parties? Are there rules? Other than as you've kind of said. Yeah, I mean the main rule across everything, whether it's online or offline, is that women make the first move. Mm. So men are at the party sort of have to, you know, they have to wait for the girls to come and talk to them. But most every man in the event has come there with a woman anyway. So it's not like you'll have a lone man just sort of standing there yeah. on his own. He would have come with a woman anyway. And that's the rule, really. And it's, it's, yeah. is it, I mean, when I say vanilla sex, is it vanilla sex or is it fetishy stuff as well? No, it is pretty vanilla. It really is. But at some of the bigger parties, we do have like dungeon rooms. And we've, in the last few years, people have got more and more interested in that, the mm. kind of entry sort of BDSM. So we'll have like a house dominatrix who's just sort of showing people kind of the basics of mm. how to do stuff. And then we've we, we've um, added like a Sibian machine to like the New York and London parties. So I don't know if you know what Isn't a that what, machine that's... is. Isn't that what what is it? Because oh no, I don't know. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it looks a bit like a saddle, like a horse saddle with a dildo stuck in the middle of the saddle. So you just you sit on it and then it moves and it vibrates and um Haters yeah, just you can gone, get a double. Hmm. You, yeah, you can get sometimes you get two girls on it and they're sort of a double sibian, so they're kind of scissoring each other on this machine so that is really popular is there a That's cue for of, it <laughs> yeah um, to be honest it's very it's very um vanilla really other than that kind of slightly sort of dungeness could you be um, considered element. like a, a gateway drug into the more extreme fetish clubs yeah get tied up and get hooked and want to go down that but also a lot i mean a lot of we do do a lot of workshops did a kind of rope play and the beginner's guide to BDSM. So we do a lot of the workshops and webinars we do are slightly in the kink entry point. So kind of that it's a good sort of stepping stone to then look to see if you enjoy it and want to do more. And yeah, we found them, especially in the last year of everyone being sort of locked down together, a lot of couples are wanting to kind of explore a bit more because they're just bored. So they're looking to see what they can do. So our workshops have been like selling out every week, which is great. What's the etiquette when approaching a person or a couple for a gangbang at one of your clubs? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think what you'll get in that is is you'll get a group of couples all chatting to each other with some girls and they just decide to kind of go into a room together and there'll be a big group at it. But again, it'll be the girls leading that one. What's it like cleaning up after the party? <laughs> do you know what? I used to do that at the beginning. The good Did old you? Day. The marigold days. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, that no, not fun. Not fun at all. Because you had to, a lot of time at the beginning, when we were hiring sort of apartments on the slide type thing, we had to leave them spotless and it was us doing the cleaning. Now, though, we use big venues that you hire the venue and they have their own teams and cleaner teams and stuff. So... I no longer have to move around picking up condoms. In the early days when if you were hiring kind of houses, essentially, uh, what would happen if the owners found out they'd been used for sex parties? 
sometimes they find out, but it's a couple of them found out and said they've never seen, they've never basically had any, it left so spotless. Um, so, yeah. so they weren't really, you know, that's the thing, we never really had any shit on that level um, or people really complaining. And then actually the more we went along, actually the more people offered us venues. Mm-hmm. So now we get offered a lot of venues. So everyone knows um, what we're doing. Plus for insurance now, it's got so boring now. It's got so boring like corporate and like we've got to have insurance. And mm. <laughs> I am. Um, yeah, so for all the venues we use, they know what we're doing and then we're, we're totally covered. It's quite an interesting <laughs> thing. You know, like, for example, I'm a chef and I have to go to restaurants constantly to just keep up with what's going on and seeing the trends and stuff like that. Do you, as part of your job, having to go around the world to some of these extraordinary places that are be- popping up all over the place? No, um, I go out to New York a lot, but that's because we've got, we're massively growing out there. So we're doing monthly events out there mm. and we were launching the education side out there. But it's a tricky one because we don't have any proper competitors, if that makes sense. Mm. There are the old school kind of sex parties. And as you said, most of them are run by what we call shaggers. So people in the scene, a lot of them are run by men and they are to have sex. We're, you know, the aim of us and our mission is, is totally different. It's sort of to normalise the conversation around sex and to for women to be able to, you know, to be equality basically in the bedroom on that front. So there aren't really events you could go to to check out what's going on. What we do do, we're very kind of on it of what is going on in the sex education side of things, but most of that's online. Mm-hmm. So we know who the big sex educators are in New York and around the world or the big YouTubers. So we're kind of... We've got an amazing tech team and SEO team. So we constantly know what are the most sort of searched terms every month in the sex world. And um, what are they? Well, <laughs> when, when we looked at this beginning of last year, because um, we were looking at stuff and which terms that were like for new workshops and things, what is pegging was massive, was a question <laughs> everyone asked. So we decided to launch pegging workshops, which sell out <laughs> squirting <laughs> workshops as well. So... Um, yeah, that's where we are ahead of the game. We're constantly seeing what people are searching for. I'm actually just searching what pegging is. Don't tell her. I don't, do you know what? When they were talking about it in the office, I went, What is it with it, like sticking clothes pegs on your nipples and stuff? And like, the girls in the office looked at me and went, That's not pegging. I was like, What? That's <laughs> like pegging in my head. So I had to Google it as well. Can you say a bit, show me a picture? So pe- basically, pegging <laughs> is a sexual practice in which women perform anal sex on a man, penetrating his anus with a strap on dildo. Yeah. Just, uh, we want to jump on to talk about your app now and all the online stuff that you've managed to do during the pandemic. I mean, this is brilliantly named Orgy in Your Pocket. Do you want to tell us about it? So the app, we've actually spent the last four years building all this new tech that by coincidence, which is perfect timing and save the business, um, was all launching last summer and end of last year and beginning of this year. So it's kind of one of those kind of sliding doors things of timing and fate. And the audio in the pocket is a chat app. So imagine WhatsApp or mm. Facebook Messenger. So the new the platform we launched in the summer is a bit like Facebook. It's like a social, massive social network with your feeds and you can post pictures and have friends and that kind of thing. And brands can have pages and push out across your feed. Exactly the same way Facebook works. And then in September, we launched the chat app to go with it. So like Facebook Messenger. It's like a more advanced WhatsApp. So you can have 
individual messages you can create your own chat groups you can join the official kk chat groups where we have our community kittens in those chat groups answering all questions and stuff and we have like sort of up to 100 150 people in all those groups and we've got ones for single girls single men couples older people people we have kink groups so that's kind of yeah the people more into the kink side of things so yes that's what the app is so the audio in the pocket is kind of you can join the, a group chat which gets filthy so there's been a bit of a hoo-ha around uh your app though hasn't it because it received 170,000 from the government and the former shadow secretary of state for women and equality sarah champion was a big opposer (laughs) why was she such a big opposer do you think and should she get into pegging (laughs) do you know what i would say there are some women that need a good pegging um that thing there is this real um Feminists fall into kind of two categories. You get the ones that, like me, who think feminism basically is all about choice. And as long as we get to decide what we do and decide what goes on in our pants, then that is that is it. If you want to be a stay-at-home mum, if you want to be working in the city, if you want to be a pit girl, you know what I mean? It's our choice. And then you get the feminists who basically think that in order to be respected, you have to keep your clothes on and not talk about sex and kind of behave a bit like a man in the workplace and you basically you have to keep your clothes on mm. um and kind of block that sexuality that we have as women that mm. femininity i've seen it massively um that it's a real two-sided thing and we get a lot of women i get a lot of abuse like on twitter and stuff from other women who just say i'm running a brothel and you know it's all about men jagging the girls and they just don't get it that women could possibly want to have sex so it's and I think she just doesn't get the bigger picture. Mm. That's the thing. Doesn't get what the business is about. Doesn't mm. want to understand it. And she actually petitioned the government to not get the not give us the loan. Yeah, but do you know what? It's true. a business. It's a tech business. It's education. Um, and the loan we did get, we actually had to raise the same amount privately um, in order to get that loan. So now it's estimated to be worth 15 million. Uh, 60% of Killing Kittens revenue now comes from online events and sex education workshops. So this is, the new business has clearly been a success. You know, and also you moved to Zoom sex parties in April as a result of COVID. So what does the future look like? Um, To be honest, it's not been a sudden thing. It's been... 50% 50% of our revenue for five years has been the online side. We've just spent the last four years building all the new stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is a massive part of the business. And the aim was always to turn more of the business online, but without losing the offline. And we've just, you know, the offline's been non-existent, obviously, for nearly a year now. And I always say to people, we're literally going to be the last business back operating <laughs> in a in Oh, no, absolutely. Um, whenever people go, I've got friends who own bars and stuff, they're like, oh, I'm going to be the last back. And I'm like, wrong audience. Wrong audience. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I'm not worried because I know when we are allowed back, it's going to be so busy, busier than it was before. The offline side will be bigger than it was before. Because um, everyone's got, got no so doubt. randy in lockdown. Yeah. And also you have to look back, you know, you can't, history doesn't lie. And you look back through thousands of years of pandemics and post like sort of world wars and stuff and what do people do they just go crazy go bananas and, i know and they have sex like the roaring 20s so yeah i've got no doubt in my mind as soon as we're allowed we will fill parties mm. really quickly have more of them and we, we only have to look at our membership now and the new members that have signed up and the new members that are coming to the online events and mm. everyone saying as soon as there's a party 
we're in. In some ways, it's a nice sort of way to trial and error it, isn't it? You know, you can go to an online party. So maybe actually explain what an online party looks and feels like. Azorgy, as they're called. <laughs> yeah, Azorgy. So it's sort of two hours. We have about 100 people, so about 50 screens. Um, we have our events girls host it. They'll do like icebreaker games. They'll do like breakout rooms so people will chat in those rooms. We'll have some of our KK Cabaret performers. We'll do some acts in it. And then it's sort of, it's just lots of screens with loads of people having sex really, or some of them just watching. And then they can pin screens or they can just chat privately or they can chat to everyone. It's just sort of a two hour experience it will never replicate the real life offline mm. events but a big part to us is our community and we knew right at the beginning that we had to keep going on that side of things on the event side of things so you know we did our first event the last week of March last year so the first Friday of the first lockdown mm. we went straight into doing a zoom party to see if it worked and it did work and we've been doing them every weekend since then and we do new york time zones and australian time zones and some girls only ones and we were already moving all the the education side the workshops into online webinars anyway last january when we'd already started so it was easy to flip all of them online so we were just really lucky on that front that we had the online side of our business otherwise we yeah we would have been properly screwed do you think like zorgies do you think they kind of are going to replace porn no, I think that's always room for porn. Um, it's not going anywhere. Um, and I think we'll, we'll definitely keep them going because, as you said, it's sort of we've realised it's a nice sort of stepping stone in. And it's only 20 quid. You can sit on your sofa. You can shut your computer whenever you want. You can get to see what kind of people are members. So, yeah, we're going to keep everything we've got going on. We're just going to add the offline ones back in when we're allowed to but porn is there and it's not going anywhere and it's you know it's a multi-billion pound business and that's why I, one of the big things I push out there sex ed wise is I just think you know porn education needs to be included in sex ed and actually a lot of what we do is actually undoing the damage done mm -hmm. by people men and women who watch porn and think that is real life mm -hmm. So what we do on the webinar side of things is actually re-educate of what is real mm -hmm. when it comes to sex. So can we talk about your DMs now? Uh, obviously, the show is Sex Lies and DM Slides. We uh, speak to people about uh, people who access the DMs for positive and for negative. So do you get any weird ones? Do you know, I get loads of DMs. The worst one is LinkedIn. And everyone goes, LinkedIn, that's like a business platform. I'm like, it's amazing how many guys think that they can just, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, what, what, have you, what do you think? So, Maybe I should join um, LinkedIn. <laughs> I, actually, I, had one, I had one today, actually. Go on. saying, are um, you the hot MILF I'm looking for? <laughs> wow. And this was I on said, LinkedIn? Yeah, this is LinkedIn. And I, yeah. I <laughs> said, I said I'm not. I actually said no. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I don't get involved and I'm not. But I'll take that as a compliment on the MILF front. Thank you. <laughs> he, came back, he came back going, you're welcome. So <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm not one of those people that will be, you know, unless they get abusive. Mm. I tend to ignore a lot, but I'm not someone that suddenly overreacts and, you know, gives it the whole, oh, you shouldn't be saying that to me and I'm not a piece of meat and blah, it's kind of, <laughs> in the same way, I'm not one of, you know, if, if I get wolf whistled at walking past the building site, right, thank, like, you yes, thank you very much. Thank you. And I, I, I've always said the day I don't get wolf whistled at, I'll be sobbing. I so. know, totally. Yeah. I'm sort of with you. Me and my friend uh, were at home the other day and we were like... 
Do you remember when boys used to be able to slap you on the ass? <laughs> we're not allowed to say that anymore. Yeah. But, but I know. I'm yeah. sitting here shocked. <laughs> I know. Me and Cynthia are a completely different age and uh, it's okay in my world, but not in hers. <laughs> Do you have a Killing Kittens Instagram account? Um, there, there is a KK Instagram account and then I've got my own one. So I don't, we've got a social media team that do the KK mm. ones that I kind of have access to. But the KK Instagram account doesn't really get kind of those sort of DMs and stuff. It tends to be my personal one that gets more. Really? Um, just other ones. You know, one like someone yesterday uh, yeah, asked if I was open to chatting to single men. Um, and another one. That, I mean, it's frustrating. Do you think it's frustrating yeah. that the assumption is that you would be because you run a sex club? <laughs> Do you know what? I don't get angry about it or frustrated because it's an obvious thought process. In the same way, like you guys asking, you know, if I was going to sex parties myself, and that's why I launched it. It's kind yeah. of an obvious assumption. Yeah. So if it's a, you know, if if I'm running these events and you know there are a lot of couples who are just sort of having threesomes and foursomes and you know other people join in and stuff, then it's sort of the obvious assumption would be that I'm also like that. So I can see why I get asked. It just we just laugh because anyone that knows me and knows the setup I'm like living in suburbia on the river with two dogs and three kids and yeah does, does, your, <laughs> so, par- yeah. does your partner receive any messages about killing kittens like does there any kind of he know. doesn't but what is funny is if he does come to a KK party so if he's if we're out in town together and there happens to be a KK party and we're out with friends we'll go along because we're just like I'm getting old I like a seat I like to sit and have a drink <laughs> um, so I know that we'll just go to KK and there'll be a sofa that I can sit on um, and, <laughs> and chat to friends That's... and also I love all the members and it is funny because when he comes with me he gets properly hit on and we and as he said, it, it seems to be a challenge by girls at KK to turn my husband. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah so and I don't help him. I see, I'll walk past him and I'll have two girls talking to him and I'll kind of open it because he's quite shy and he'll open his eyes at me and I'm like, nope, not helping. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, who can turn Emma's husband? <laughs> it is the game. Well, I think that's all we've got time for today. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. That was great, Emma. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to our Spotify original podcast, Sex Lies and DM Slides. Please follow us on Spotify and tell all your mates about it if you enjoyed it. And if you have any weird and wonderful Sex Lies and DM Slides stories of your own, do slide into our DMs at Sydney Lima and at Gizzy Erskine. No dick pics, please. Also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sex Lies DM Slides. This Spotify original podcast is a Hayden Prowse production edited by Matt and Scott at Podmonkey. With music by Free Seed Films, our executive producers at Spotify are Rachel Simpson and Alexandra Aidey. 